On today's episode, we're going to be talking about what to do when you don't know what to do on Soul Zero Two. And welcome to Soul Zero Two. This is the podcast that is putting the oxygen back into the Christian walk, one soul at a time. And so glad to be with you today. And I want to talk to you today about what what do you do when you don't know what to do. And that is actually something that happened uh, in the scriptures in the Old Testament to a king by the name of Jehoshaphat. And he was one of the better kings of Israel. In fact, he was a great king, though not perfect. He was a great king, and he really wanted to do the right thing, and he was righteous. And so there's a scripture, though, where uh, the enemy is coming against them and with overwhelming forces, and they know far out that they're coming. And he he prays this lengthy prayer, which I don't want to get into, uh, but there's something he says in that prayer that I believe is the key to why why God helped them. and Because there was a humility to this statement he made that's very powerful, and the statement goes something like this. He says, We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I've read this probably 50 times, you know, since I was a kid growing up, and I I never really registered those words that, Lord, I'm flummoxed, Lord, I'm confused, Lord, I'm bewildered, I don't know what, what the heck I'm doing, but my eyes are on you. This is what he was saying there. So, so we, we find right away that he is saying one thing, um, he's saying, he's saying, embrace your ignorance. I, I mean, that's how I see it, that that if you really want to know what to do when you don't know what to do, embrace your ignorance. What what God, what what gave power, and animus and momentum, to to Jehoshaphat's prayer, was the fact that he admitted, "I don't know what I'm doing," and that kind of flies in the face of Western culture and you know the 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 uh, the, the culture that says you know I. Um, you know, a leader always has to know what they're doing. They always have to be confident, even fake it and all these things. And here, you find the opposite of that. Here, you find the idea of, of the leader not even trying to fake that he's a great leader. But he is saying, God, I don't know what to do. And the people know that he's faking it. They see it. They see that he's, he's, he's flummoxed, right? So in modern culture, it's considered a virtue to always be so confident of what you're doing. Uh, and it's considered the mark of a great leader and, and, and a sign of courage and American ingenuity where, you know, I'm going to pull myself up by the bootstraps and figure this out. And However, then life happens. And sometimes, however sharp you are or however sharp I am, life throws something at you that you could not have prepared for in a million years. And no amount of knowledge, training, or skill could have prepared you for, for that situation. And in, in, in King Jehoshaphat's case, a powerful enemy was coming to destroy Israel, and they were outgunned, outmanned, and, and they had the, the morale was at an all-time low because the people had abandoned God. So God had basically abandoned the people. And I say that to say this, that sometimes... The overconfident, uh, the more overconfident we are about ourselves, the, the more worried we should be, especially if God is not in the picture. Because 
there's a scripture that says God resists the proud. And, you know, if you're, if you're proud in your own strength, eventually you'll fall by yourself. On the other hand, the more unsure we are about ourselves, the better it is for us, especially when we look to God. And when I mean unsure, I don't mean that it's okay to have a low self-esteem. I'm not, say, not saying that. I'm saying this this arrogance that says, I don't need God. I got this. I can do this myself. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. And thus, another scripture that that we can talk about today, and it, it's the same scripture I gave you, but the fuller part of the verse. He says this, and he admits this, for we are powerless. This is part of the prayer. For we are powerless against this great multitude that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And this is Jehoshaphat, the great leader, admitting, I got nothing. And something powerful happens when we embrace our ignorance and surrender to God's wisdom. And so, so the first thing we do, right, and, and we, 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 uh, we said it, embrace your ignorance. But then there's another one we can do, and that is simply this. Position, position yourself for stillness or in stillness. And what do I mean by that? Well, here's another scripture I want to give you here. And and this is Second Chronicles 20.17. This is all part of the story, part of the context of everything. Where God finally answers them because he humbles himself and says, God, I don't know what to do. And God says, this battle is not for you to fight. Take your position. Stand still and see the victory of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Now that is a mouthful. Can you imagine God telling you this, that you're highly confident, you're highly skilled, you've gotten out of many jams on your own in the past, and God says, in this battle, you don't have to do anything but stand still and just watch me get this done. And that's an amazing admission and a humbling admission when you think about it. And because who in history ever won a battle by just positioning themselves but not doing any fighting? I mean, whoever won a battle where there was an overwhelming odds and all they, all they did was position themselves and, and they didn't have to fight? I mean, it, it's unheard of. It's, it sounds almost ridiculous. And, and yet this is what happened. In God's way of, of doing things, the battles we face are not for us to fight, but instead to stand and set ourselves to wait on God and let Him deal with it. Why? Because He He's God. He can do whatever He wants. He, he He's sovereign. He, he can fix anything. And our way of fighting is to stand still and to wait for Him. And this waiting <clears throat> and stationing ourselves is not some passive thing. Um, don't get that impression that it's just some... some uh, you know, thing where we lay around and just wait for God. No, no, no. This is a very difficult thing. It's a very aggressive thing, standing still. I believe, in fact, that it takes more energy and spiritual commitment to position ourselves in faith during trials and wait for God to act than it than it does to to do something that seems helpful. And it's much harder to do nothing, nothing, than it is to do something. So then we have the next the next uh, thing that that we can do when we don't know what to do. And again, this is what what uh, 
Jehoshaphat did. I mean, it's an amazing story when you think about it. But this is what happened. Lead with praise. And have you ever heard the modern saying, you should have led with that? And and it basically means that someone tried these strategies and they, they did every failing strategy at first and then they had the winning strategy at the end and, and, and they they did it at the end and then they won. And then people say, well, you should have led with that. You would have won right, right away. <laughs> and so we have that modern saying, uh, lead with that. In this case, Jehoshaphat did one thing right, for sure. He led with praise. He, he led with the right thing first. He didn't lead with just strategy. He, he didn't he didn't lead by saying, let's have a meeting on how to beat these guys. He put his worshipers in the front lines. And again, there's there's a scripture for that, right? And And here's what happened. When he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy splendor as they went before the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. What? This is crazy strategy. Who would do that? Any general, anyone who, who's gone to war college would look at this and say, this is just crazy. Who would do that? You know, And yet, there's a reason why the Bible says that God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That God, when he deals with situations in our lives, he deals with them in such a way that that it's never what we expected. And what general would approve of a strategy where your special forces would be worshipers instead of highly trained, highly trained killers? And this is what was happening here. That usually anyone would say, well, let's put the Rambos out in the front line and have them, you know, cause trouble. But here, God made it so that the front line warriors would sing songs of praise to God instead of songs of in- intimidation. Because in, in some wars, sometimes they would sing wars of intimidation and they, they would have these rituals they'd go through to try to intimidate the enemy. And thus, thus we have the scripture in uh, in First uh, Corinthians that talks about, it says the weapons of, of our warfare are are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. And I have it somewhere. Here it is. Um, it says the weapons of war for the weapons of our warfare are not merely human, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. And what a beautiful scripture when you think about it, that God would would uh, would bring us to that point of 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 just praising. And and this is why we have to lead with praise. That in that situation where you don't know what to do, you begin praising God and just honoring Him and saying, "Lord, You're in charge. I'm not giving up." I worship you in holy splendor. And what an awesome thing. When you lift him up, he will lift up your situation. And so there's there's another thing we can do that after leading with praise, and that is that is this. And this is what happened here. And it is this one, and the last one, memorialize God's faithfulness. And it was customary in Hebrew culture that after great breakthroughs, times where God helped them. Uh, they would erect a stone in memory of the faithfulness of God. And the stone would usually bear the name that described the experience they had, and they would make an oath or a vow at the solemn location based on what happened, and they would make a vow to God. And in modern times, we kind of have similar things, don't we? We have all these monuments to great people that did great things, and we have memorials to tragedies that happened also. And we remember things. And the Hebrews had memorials for spiritual breakthroughs, which you don't really see that here in our country, but uh, a spiritual breakthrough 
is when God literally broke through when when nothing else you know could work. And so so this is why I call it memorializing or, or rather memorialize God's faithfulness. And again in 2 Chronicles chapter um chapter 20 and 26 it says this. It says on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Baraka for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the place has been called the Valley of Baraka to this day. They came, and it says in verse 28, they came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And this is an interesting scripture because it shows that they didn't just lead with praise, but they kind of ended with praise, right? They memorialized what God did with praise and with worship. And it's so important that when God breaks through for you, because Baraka does mean uh, breakthrough, right? Um, baraka, baraka means breakthrough. That's when God breaks through, and um, and we find that that when when God uh, breaks through for us, we need to remember that. Often He blesses us, and we don't we don't think about it. We kind of say, "Oh, thank you, Lord, that was good," you know. And but baraka means an oath or a vow based on a blessing received. And this is what, what they did when they when they thanked God for what he did. They wanted to commemorate the goodness of God in a difficult place because the Hebrews had not been annihilated by their enemies. They were saying, thank you, God. And we have to remember to be thankful for what God has done in our life. And even if we don't feel he did anything, God is always doing something because he's protecting you from something. He's keeping you from something. He is putting his hand on you for a reason. And so they, they assembled and, and brought all of their instruments intentionally for the purpose of thanking God for his faithfulness. <clears throat> so to close this out, excuse my my, my uh, froggy throat here today, <clears throat> but to, to close it out today, here's, here's what happened, or here's what needs to happen if you want to know what to do when you don't know what to do. Embrace your ignorance. Admit it. Say, God, I have no idea. I got nothing. Position yourself in stillness. And then lead with praise. Don't lead with strategy. Lead with praise first. And then memorialize God's faithfulness. This is what we do when we don't know what to do. So if you found this this podcast a blessing, uh, please leave a comment and subscribe and recommend it to a friend. We'd like to grow it. And I want to grow it, but I don't want to do anything sensational that kind of doesn't fit my personality because I don't believe in, in promoting myself in any way other than to give people the truth of what the scriptures say and let that transform their lives and, and just hone them and, and change them. That that's that's what I got. <laughs> and God has to do the rest. But but it would help if you if you haven't subscribed, if you subscribe and check out our Facebook uh, and uh, our our and our YouTube. We're on Facebook and YouTube and we also have our website called soul02.com. So until next time, thanks so much for being with us. God bless you.